Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, as I mentioned last week, if you're with us, uh, Jeremy Kubitschek is here today, and I want to introduce him. I know he's been here before, before he comes out. A lot of you know who he is, some of you don't, but Jeremy's a great friend. I'm very grateful that he spends time to come and pour into OKC community, as he does a few times over the years. And Jeremy, if you don't know who he is, he is, first of all, uh, you know, he's a husband to Kelly, uh, a dad to a great family. And and I just want to say this about him. He, he started a company called Giant, which is an incredible company that that works to unlock businesses and leaders all around the world um, through amazing content and and and, and just it's an, it's an incredible company um, but besides being a business leader that has sold a lot of books he did peace index last time it's just like great best-selling book right now um, but in addition to that you know he is a kingdom-minded person as much as anybody has ever known and so many of our conversations hours over the year have been about how do we see the kingdom of God here on earth and uh, I just love our friendship I love that he is pouring in to you today and so with that said would you give it up for my friend Jeremy Kubitschek thank you mate appreciate you okay hey guys good to be with you again um, super super excited about today as Tim mentioned I get the privilege, I, get, I write content, I create content for a living, and I take the content and use technology and license it around the world. Do that in the business world, do it in the sports world with a company called Better, and then my son and I, we do it in, with uh, dads called Six Summers, and we help dads who mostly don't know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Uh, any of you want to raise your hand? That, that, yeah, that's most of us who are, who are dads. And so um, what I'm doing today, though, is I'm going to take you on this journey to show you a little bit about how I create content, but I'm going to use AI live. Now, I've never done a sermon using AI live, okay? How many of you are absolutely afraid of AI? Raise your hand if you're afraid of it, okay. How many of you would be a little bit squeamish about the fact that I'm using AI in church right now? To be honest, a few of you? Yeah. Uh, my wife's like, yep, this is a, yeah. Uh, we had this conversation. I was nervous, but I'm actually thinking um, when I went through this process over the last few days, I'm, I was blown away at the responses. And what I realized was this, AI is technology. It's not alive. It's not a soul. It's a technology. It is unbelievable. Now, how many of you have used AI proficiently and you're blown away by it? Any out there? And you're like, oh my goodness. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to, I'm going to take it and we're going to go through this content and this concept, kind of a flow of what I've been thinking about live. This is live. And um, we're going to then get into looking at it a little bit. And, but here's the beauty. For those who are nervous, I had this big aha. The Holy Spirit is in control of everything, always. And we have the Holy Spirit who has discernment. And so as I was looking through, what I did is I created these prompts, and I started working through like prompts. Create an opening prayer for a group of Jesus followers to prepare their hearts to hear from God in a Sunday morning service. Make it sweet, honoring, and full of grace. So we're going to put it in here, and then we're going to see what happens and then, we're, and by the way, how many of you have never used AI before? Anyone? Okay, this is ChatGPT, and this is just 3.5. This is the basic level. I have the higher version, 
But this is the basic version, so anyone can do this. You can go and, and sign up. So we're going to see what it says, okay? We're going to prompt it, and then we're going to pray. Now, obviously, we'll, pray, we'll make sure the prayer is legit and um, that it works. So here it is. All right. This is live. So let's just pray. Gracious and loving Father, we come before you today as a community of Jesus followers, humbled by your presence, grateful for the privilege of gathering together in your name. We recognize that you are the source of all wisdom, truth, and grace. Lord, we acknowledge your greatness and goodness. You're the creator of the universe, the giver of life, and the one who sustains us. We honor you as our loving Father who knows us intimately and cares for us deeply. As we gather in this place, we ask for your forgiveness for any distractions or worries or burdens that we carry. We lay them at your feet, knowing that your grace is sufficient to meet us where we are. Open our hearts, Father, to receive your word with humility and expectancy. Soften the soil of our hearts and remove any barriers that hinder us from hearing your voice clearly. Help us to set aside our own agendas and preferences that we may be fully attentive to, leading, to your leading and teaching. Holy Spirit, we invite you to move among us to speak to us individually and collectively. Illuminate the truth of your word, bringing clarity and understanding. Guide us into deeper intimacy with Jesus and help us to align our lives with his teaching. Father, we ask that you pour your grace upon us today. May your love and compassion flow through every aspect of this service. May our worship be sweet fragrance to you, your prayers of pleasing offering, our prayers of pleasing offering, and our fellowship a reflection of your love for us and for one another. As we gather, may we be reminded of the unity we share as members of the body of Christ. May our love for one another shine brightly, demonstrating your presence among us. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to worship you freely and to gather in your name. May this time together be an encounter with your glory, an experience of your grace, and a catalyst for transformation. In Jesus' precious and powerful name we pray. Amen. All right. Now, I just, I, hadn't, I just put that in. Like, I hadn't done that before, right? So, to go, that's, that's what happens when you, when you take some technology and you start walking through a process. So, the, the, the process that I'm going through is I've been working on um, don'ts and do's. And this is an interesting one. Now, I created these prompts. What, the way it works is you create a prompt. Uh, a prompt is basically something that you're wanting to find out about. So how is don't and do viewed in the Garden of Eden? So I've been going through this process of do's and don'ts, don't and do, because I work in a lot, uh, with a lot of leaders. I work with a lot of athletes. I was at a retreat with uh, 40 freshmen, the OU football team yesterday, and the OU football players. And I'm work, I just work with lots of different groups around the world. And it's fascinating to look at their view of God, most people's view of God, and where are they coming from, and there's this whole um, inhibition and prohibition and this whole view of God of oughts and shoulds. I ought to do this. I should do this because I'm supposed to. I have to, to appease God. And it's, it's probably one of the biggest themes of my life is like, I want to live as a son of the Most High God. I don't want to act as a sinner because my sin has been taken away. So uh, anyone in Christ, right? The 2 Corinthians 5.17, we're, we're new creations. The old is gone, the new has come. So I want to live that way. And so I kind of process a lot uh, of this theme in my life. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to go through th these prompts. So I've created questions, and then we're going to put it in AI, and we're going to look and see what it says. 
and it'll allow us to process, okay? So again, this is a live AI sermon, which is a little dangerous, but we'll see. How is don't and do viewed in the Garden of Eden? And see how fast that creates? Now, I was just talking to Richie. There's no way. You were doing a sermon, right, recently? There is no way we could do this. I mean, it would take us forever to pull all of this. And this is what most, sermon, uh, what most preachers do, by the way, and speakers. We used to just go Google it, and we take all of the Google information, and we try to compile it and put it all together. This just makes it happen in three seconds. So it's so much easier for us. So let's just play with this concept, okay? In the Garden of Eden, the concepts of don't and do were present as part of God's instructions and boundaries for Adam and Eve. Don't, in the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam and Eve a specific command, not to eat of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This don't served as a, as a test of their obedience, a reminder of their dependence on God's wisdom and authority. And then you go, well, I don't know, I have to study that. Is that true? But don't represented a boundary, meaning don't, if you walk in disobedience, I'm saving you from the destructive patterns that will happen by eating of the tree of the knowledge of the wisdom of good and evil. That was a don't. And the do was equal, like do, be a good steward, name the animals, um, be, a, be a steward of our land, um, you know, till it, take care of it. So it's important to note in the Garden of Eden, the don't and do were not burdensome or oppressive. They were given with the context of a perfect and loving relationship with God and humanity, meaning they weren't heavy, don't do this, do this. They were done in loving relationship. And that was the very start of our relationship. There was a natural don't and do. So I was playing with this idea of like, okay, well, that's interesting. So let's list all the ways that Adam and Eve were then separated whenever um, they unfortunately chose to disregard the don't and they succumbed to the temptation leading to the fall and the brokenness between the, the relationship between God and humanity. So here's what happens. Here's all the ways that Adam and Eve were separated. Spiritual separation, shame and guilt, expulsion from the garden, broken fellowship, loss of access to the tree of life, toil and struggle, vulnerability to death, separation from God's perfect design. All of these occurred because of the decision to go against the relationship that God had in the very beginning. And I would make the case that the whole plan of God was to bring his sons and daughters back into the Garden of Eden. That's really the plan. The plan is, kids, I want you to have a relationship with me just like I intended it in the very beginning. That's the whole game of God. So he's been working to rebuild that through the process. But this is the reality. The facts are there was a spiritual separation. There was shame and guilt, expulsion from, from the garden. All of this broken fellowship occurred. So then I, my mind started going, okay, wait, wait. Let's go into um, this question. Let's go into how do good parents uh, use, you know, don't and, and, and do. How do good, what do good parents do? Well, how many of you are parents? Raise your hand, right? When you're using don't and do, some of it is out of annoyance, right? I mean, admit it, your kid's a little annoying. Like, seriously, don't do that. I said, don't touch that, right? But there is a don't 
uh, so I had rules. Uh, in fact, this weekend I was at this retreat. Part of our rules at, were we were at this retreat and had a lot of golf courses. And you had 18 and 19-year-olds. Uh, sorry, a lot of golf carts. And the golf carts are like 20 golf carts. I'm like, hey, guys, just take the golf carts from here to your cabin and then come back. 20 minutes later, there's golf carts almost in ponds, off courses. You know, they're used as four-wheelers. They're trying to jump them. All the things that you're like, no, 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 don't do that, please, right? But the don'ts and do's of parenting is don't as a boundary, do as guidance. There's teaching skills. They're promoting healthy independence, encouraging self-discipline. What I mean is that as parents, when we say don't touch that, we're meaning that because it will hurt you. And it's the same intent that God has. No, 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 don't, don't go there. Because if you do, you're going to separate yourself from me. And then it's going to lead to brokenness. It's going to lead to wreck. It's going to lead to uh, our, our relationship's going to be harmed. Don't go here. That's meant for good. But the problem is, is like, have you ever, have you ever heard, said this before? Hey, don't tell me what to do. Anyone know what I'm saying? Who do you think you are? Who, what do you, what'd you say? You're telling me to do what, right? So it all depends on your relationship with the other person. Don't tell me what to do means I don't trust you. I don't like you. I don't, I am my own being. Don't tell me. There's pride that happens. And the pride was really what happened in the Garden of Eden. When we bit into the apple and Adam and Eve, we bit into the pride of basically saying, I know better than you, God. I'm going to take the original sin from Satan. He wanted to be like God. I'm going to be like God. And all of a sudden, that wanting to be like God separated us from the very identity that we have. All right, so I'm going somewhere with this. I'm trying to lead us to this conversation. So I started to think, all right, well, how then were the do's and don'ts, how are they played in the, in the Old Testament? So what, what did that look like? And, you know, in the Old Testament... We go live here. Don'ts and do's are seen as commands and instructions given to God to guide his people in the relationship with him. Because of the separation, we had to do things. Like we had to uh, have rites and rituals, and there was sacrifices for the sin, almost sin offering, right? And it was very difficult to get to God. So don't as prohibition uh, meant there was the, you know, the Ten Commandments. So we know the Ten Commandments were basically don'ts and do's. So if I said, uh, write, write out the Ten Commandments, but I spell right, commandments, in don'ts and do's. And so what happens then is then they don't have any other gods before me. Do worship and love the Lord your God with all your heart. Don't make or worship idols. Do honor and serve God alone. Don't misuse the name of our Lord. Do reverence, because that's really all the Ten Commandments are. They are don'ts, and they are do's. And even when the Ten Commandments came to try to give some boundaries to the people, right, what happened? We still took off. We still went way past the boundaries of the Lord. And if our view of God was of this, because in the Old Covenant, People feared God. There was a fear and there was a fear. There was a reverence fear, and then there's a I'm afraid of you fear because I don't want you to smite me. I don't want you to hurt me. I just want to do my thing. Why are you encroaching on me? And 
what's amazing about our world right now, even in the midst of Christians, a lot of us still have that Old Testament view of God. Almost like, I oh, know, I don't want, I should do this. I know I, if, if I don't do this, I'm not going to please him. And if I don't please him, then I'm not going to heaven or whatever the, the rationale is of that. And so that, that is really what I'm trying to, to help um, overcome. So then you, you take the same idea and go, well, what, what are the do's and don'ts of the New Testament? And in the New Testament, they're really more about Jesus, um, you know, talking really about the more internal. They're like, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. It's love your neighbor as yourself. They weren't as much of rote commands as far as these were. You've heard it say this, but I tell you this. And there was a change with how Jesus conveyed and talked about uh, the, the don'ts and do's in the New Testament. It's a different kind of a relationship. So my mind started to play, all right, well then, is our Heavenly Father good? I mean, really, is He good? And now watch, watch what happens here. Is our Heavenly Father good? Yes, our Heavenly Father is good. In fact, goodness is one of the fundamental characteristics of His nature. Throughout the Bible, we see evidence of God's goodness, His desire to bless and protect and care for His creation, particularly humanity. Here are some examples. In the creation, in the book of Genesis, we read, provision and care He provides for us, the salvation and redemption of God. God's goodness is evident in His plan of salvation, faithfulness and unchanging nature, guidance and direction, comfort and compassion. All of these, while we may face challenges, suffering, and uncertainties, we can trust in the goodness of our Heavenly Father. His goodness provides a foundation of hope and love. He works all things together for the good of those who love Him. In Romans 8, 28, through His goodness, we can find peace, security, and abundant life. So this is the journey that I'm on, I'm on to go, what has to happen for every single person in here to know and understand that your Heavenly Father is good and He's fighting for your highest possible good? What has to happen for you? And at what level? If I said 10 was your highest level of knowing that God is good and that He so loves you, what number would you put that at? Would you say, I'm at a 2 out of 10? I don't really believe it. I hear you, but I don't believe it. I don't feel that. Or you don't know my upbringing. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know the brokenness of my family. You don't know all of the past affecting the relationship today. So the game that I'm trying to play even with myself is like, what number am I at that I actually believe, I mean really believe that God is good and for me? And then that changes the way that I look at his commands. That changes the way that it looks at the relationship. So I then go, all right, well then how did Jesus Christ break the chains of self-dependency from the fall of man in the garden and reestablish the original intent of the creator with his people? Meaning, what did God do through Jesus to get us back into the garden? It's just unbelievable, the content that, that comes from it. Now check this out, you guys. This was not me. I did not provoke, I'm, I'm literally prompting the conversations. But as I was reading this, I'm like, I couldn't produce this better. It's actually taking truth and packaging it in a way that makes it even more powerful. Jesus Christ, now listen to this. 
And if you need to close your eyes to listen, you can. But to go, how do you own this for yourself? Jesus Christ broke the chains of self-dependency from the fall of man in the garden and reestablished the original intent of the creator through his life, death, and resurrection. Here's how. Redemption through his sacrifice. Jesus, as the perfect and sinless son of God, willingly offered himself as a sacrifice for humanity's sin. His death paid the price for our disobedience and reconciled us to God. Through his sacrifice, Jesus broke the power of sin and its consequence, offering us forgiveness and freedom and opportunity for restored relationship. Now, we know this. We've heard this a kajillion times. But when you start putting it all together, there was restoration through sacrifice. There was restoration of the relationship. By accepting the sacrifice and placing our faith in him, we can have a personal relationship with God, and it can be restored again. Through Jesus, we're invited back into the intimacy that God wanted at the beginning. The separation caused by the fall is bridged by Jesus' work on the cross, enabling us to experience love and grace. There's new birth and transformation. There's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. There's adoption as children of God. Through Jesus, we're not only forgiven and reconciled, but we're also adopted into his family as children. As his children, we receive the full inheritance and privilege of being heirs of God. We can now approach God as a loving father, relying on his guidance. Now, this might be the most boring sermon, because I'm like reading this, that you've ever, but it's one of the most powerful things, because it's concisely putting it into a logic flow to go, I was separated from God because of Adam and Eve, and I claimed that I was my own God, and Jesus broke all that and offered me the opportunity back into intimacy so I can experience the unbelievable loving Father again. And that's ultimately my goal, is to go, how can we get there? What's the logic flow that has to happen? So then if I, if I ask this question uh, right here, compare the self-views of sinners versus son or, sons and daughters. Compare the self-views, the self-view of a sinner. Sinners tend to view themselves as broken, flawed, and separated from God. They may see themselves as unworthy, condemned, or burdened by guilt and shame. Their self-perception is often centered around their sinful nature and the mistakes they have made. They may struggle with feelings of inadequacy, hopelessness, and a sense of being distant from God. Sinners may also rely on their own efforts, self-dependency, or worldly solutions to find meaning and fulfillment in life. They may seek validation and identity in things that ultimately leave them empty. So here we go, out of the audience, I don't know what percentage are here, but there's a percentage where that prayer, or sorry, that uh, answer feels what you feel right now. There might be hopelessness. There might be those things where you're like, oh my gosh, that feels like me right now. Have you either fully understood what Jesus has done? Maybe you've never have. Maybe you've just been playing the Christian game for a long time and you haven't really let it soak in. But for those who are sons and daughters of the Most High God, they understand their identity as beloved children. They recognize that their worth and value comes from being created in the image of God and being redeemed by the sacrifice of Jesus. They view themselves as forgiven, accepted, embraced by God's unconditional love. They are aware of their status as co-heirs with Jesus, knowing they have been adopted into his family. They're sons and daughters, and they've been renewed. 
They have a renewed self-perception that's grounded in truth. They see themselves as empowered by the Holy Spirit. They rely on God's grace and depend on His guidance. The stark difference between the two. And, and the thing is this, like, to live in freedom here, now, it is heaven on earth. It is heaven on earth. And the design of God is not to be like, someday you'll get to experience freedom in heaven. In the meantime, you've got to slog your way through it. It's not, meant how, it's not how it's designed. Actually, Jesus is like, no, 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 I'm coming in you, and I'm going to bring my spirit in you. And you can live in freedom now. We can live in the kingdom now. We have everything at our, our disposal now. So what would it look like for you to get completely cleaned up? What would it look like for you to be completely free, to have a mind that's free, to be at peace at your deepest levels. What does that look like? What is that process? That's the journey I'm on. I think that's a lot of you are on that journey. So I just kept playing, right? And so I, I've got a few more prompts, and then I'll, I'll stop nerding out on you. Um, so here, here was a prompt. So I asked this question. How is Jesus Christ, how is the, um, is Jesus Christ, is the union between God and man, and how has he pulled us back into right relationship? Jesus bridged the gap between humanity and God. He brought us back into the right relationship with the Creator. Here's how. He's the mediator. He's the reconciler. He serves as the mediator between God and humanity. You know, a lot of people will say Jesus is God, and it's true, and he's man. And if you take away the man, if you only say Christ without saying Jesus the Christ, you miss the fact that he was Jesus as human and Christ as God. The Jesus Christ together means he was the mediator. He was the bridge because he was the plan. God's plan was to come be one of us so that we could, he could usher us and bring us to the Father. He's the mediator, and it's so important to understand that. He's the perfect representation of God. He's the fulfillment of the law. He is grace and love. He is empowerment through the Holy Spirit. And AI is preaching the gospel to us right now. Isn't that crazy? I'm telling you guys, I went through here and I started weeping last night because I'm like going, oh my goodness, the amount of truth and the depth of it just consolidated in a powerful way. You ask really, really good questions, and you can have really amazing conversations. So when we're, everyone's running or and afraid of certain things, we go, no, no, we have the Holy Spirit who's over everything. He can redeem anything, and we can put the Holy Spirit with AI and have unbelievable conversations with the Lord. So here, here's, a, here's the a conversation. Answer this question as someone who is scared. Right now, so if this is you, I was just thinking of you. Answer this question. Someone who's scared, hurt, and broken, how can I take the first steps to understand God and, and his supposed love to me? What process do I need to go through to reconcile with God? Check this out. I'm sorry to hear that you're feeling scared, hurt, and broken. It's understandable that in such moments, understanding God's love and taking steps toward reconciliation might feel challenging. Here's a gentle and supportive response. First and foremost, know that God sees you in your pain and brokenness, and he deeply cares for you. 
He desires to bring healing and peace and restoration to your life. Here are some steps you can take to understand God's love and reconcile with him. Acknowledge your feelings. It's important to recognize and acknowledge your emotions and pain. Be honest with yourself and with God about how you feel. Share your fears, hurts, brokenness with him in prayer, knowing that he is always present and listening. And by the way, I'm saying this is for anybody. If you're here a little dusty, if you're here a little bit tired and worn out and old and you've let things build up, let this process work for you. Acknowledge your feelings. You have feelings. It's okay. God's not afraid of those feelings. He's actually bring them because only when you bring them, when you want to become an intimate friend with God, that's the first step for him being intimate with you. It means that you have to bring it first. Seek solace in God's word. Spend time reading the Bible, particularly the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, which reveal the life and the teachings of Jesus. You'll find stories of the faithfulness of God, his compassion and healing. That's what the allowing the word of God, it's really just going, oh my goodness, you've done this with so many people throughout centuries. Let that be a part of you as well. Embrace his love and grace, understanding that God's love is unconditional. It extends to you even in your brokenness. Accept that you don't need to earn his love. It's freely given and receive his forgiveness. Get support in a community like this, right? And other small groups. Engage in prayer and personal reflection. Be patient and allow for growth. Remember, God loves you unconditionally and he longs to bring healing and wholeness to your brokenness. Approach him with openness, honesty, and a willingness to receive his love. As you take these steps, you may find comfort, hope, and a sense of deep presence. Now, make this really personal and simple. Create a prayer full of grace and love that this person can pray to ask God to restore that relationship. So if that's you, if that's someone here that you're like, you know what, I'm, I hear this relationship, but I don't know it. I don't experience this. And I'm, I'm not even saying, you know, those who have already accepted Jesus, it may be that you've got to dust yourself off a little bit, that you want that relationship restored. So let's just pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, in the midst of my hurt and fear and brokenness, I come before you with an open heart. I long to understand your love and experience the restoration that only you can bring. I know that you see me, know me, and love me deeply. I confess that I have often felt distant from you, unsure of your love for me. But today, I choose to believe and receive your grace. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to reconcile me to you through his sacrifice on the cross. I acknowledge my need for his forgiveness and the healing that his love brings. Father, I surrender my pain, my doubts, my brokenness into your loving hands, and I ask that you heal my wounded heart, restore my spirit, and fill me with your peace. Help me to grasp the depth of your unconditional love and to trust in your perfect plan for my life. As I seek to understand you, guide me to your word, Speak to me through its pages, revealing your truth, comfort, and promises. Help me to find solace in your presence and to rely on your strength in my weakness. Lord, I ask for supportive and loving community. Surround me with people who can walk alongside me on this journey, offering me encouragement and understanding and the wisdom that comes from you. Lead me to a community of believers where I can find acceptance and belonging and growth, spiritual growth. I pray for patience, knowing that this process of restoration takes time, 
Help me to trust in your perfect timing and to remain steadfast in seeking your love. Open my eyes to the signs of your presence and the ways you are working my life, even in the midst of my struggles. Thank you, Father, for hearing my prayer. I place my hope in you and ask for your grace to transform my heart, renew my mind, and restore my relationship. May your love be an anchor guiding me into the fullness of life with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, I didn't, I didn't edit any of that. That was live. In fact, I started to, and I took all of it, and I was like rewriting it. I'm like, why? Why am I doing this? Just go live and show you um, that even what the world claims is the best, and even, and this is my funny conspiracy theory, this little bite of the apple uh, is the sign of the knowledge of wisdom of good and evil. To go, the, I'm not saying conspiracy theory of the apple is that, but, you know, you could talk about... But my point is, is that, is that this computer and this, you know, these little things, um, these are called distraction machines. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? These are um, the knowledge of the wisdom of good and evil. I don't need God. I can go and find anything at any time. And yet, at its best, I mean, like, I'm fully computerized, teched out. I've got everything you need. I can still be as empty and unfulfilled and not satisfied, right? And our world has everything we need and is missing it all. And yet, with AI and asking it those questions, it actually knows at the very, very core of everything, we need the original relationship that God intended at the very beginning. He is the fulfiller. He is the life giver. He is the one who restores and heals. He is the one that provides everything we need. The kingdom of God is the fulfillment of everything. God himself brought Jesus. We have everything we need, and yet the flashy little objects, right, that can pull me in and us in, oftentimes as we get in, we realize, gosh, it's just junk food. It's not really, you know that taste after you eat a bunch of junk food and you don't feel great and you're like, yeah, this is not satisfying me fully. And yet, his plan is to fully restore. So I asked it one last question. What encouragement would there be for believers of Oakland City Community Church specifically? This is fascinating. This is crazy. So this is it. I'm going to finish this song and we're going we're gonna to play a little song and Tim, I'm going to bring you up in a minute. And I don't know, you guys, I don't know if this, what this did for you at all, um, because I'm literally going through my own journey and again going, I want to be so close to you, Lord, and I want to, and I bet you, you do too, what gets in the way? And so I'm just showing you kind of the process, the way that I create things is I go in these little rabbit holes and I start pondering, um, hey, I just made it easier. Because before I had to do all these Google searches, now it's so much simpler. In fact, I just wrote my next book, uh, it's coming out in October, and I wrote it in 30 days, and I pulled so much of it from AI. Not, it wasn't plagiarism, it's, but it's just simply, <laughs> but I'm pulling stories, and, and I would go, okay, so help me with this, and how would you say this differently, what was a better way? And it just helped me communicate so much more effectively. So don't be afraid of it. In fact, that's probably one little side um, idea here. Don't be afraid of it. Actually, 
um, the Holy Spirit is in control. If we understand the discernment of the Holy Spirit in us, we can look at anything and decide if there's truth or not. Was there anything that you saw that was not truth in that? I mean, there was, that's scriptures, the gospels, by asking it the questions. So this is the, uh, this is the prayer that I'm going to leave you with. So we'll, let's, we'll play a little song behind us, and then I'm going to read this over us. And then, Tim, you can come up and do, um, kind of lead us through whatever you feel is best. Dear believers of Oklahoma City Community Church, I want to take a moment to encourage and uplift you in your faith journey. Remember that you are part of a community of believers who are united in their love for God and desire to grow together in Him. Here's some words of encouragement for you. Unity and support. Embrace the beauty, beauty of community and the strength that comes from gathering together as believers. In your fellowship, support one another, encourage one another, and bear each other's burdens. You're not alone on this journey, and together you can experience the love and grace of God in profound ways. Trust in His faithfulness, even in the midst of challenges, and this is for some of you specifically, in the midst of challenges, uncertainties, and trials, remember that God is faithful. He's always been faithful. He's brought you this far, and He will continue to lead and guide you. Trust in His plans, knowing that He is working all things for your good and for His glory. He is with you every step of the way. Seek His presence. Set time aside to seek God's presence through prayer and worship and reading in His Word. In His presence, you'll find strength and wisdom and peace. Allow the Holy Spirit to refresh you empower you to live out your faith with boldness and grace. Engage in servanthood. Embrace the call to serve others with love and humility. Embrace growth and learning. Continually seek growth in your relationship with God. Be open to learning, studying his word, and being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Share the good news. As believers, you've been entrusted with the life-changing message of the gospel. Share it. Share the love of Jesus to those around you, both in words and actions. Be intentional about inviting others to experience the hope and forgiveness and abundance that you've found. Keep hope alive. In a world that may seem chaotic and uncertain, hold on to the hope you have in Christ. Trust that he is working behind the scenes, bringing about his purposes. Let your faith shine brightly, offering hope and encouragement to those around you. Remember, you're a part of a beautiful community of believers who are called to love God, love one another, and make a positive impact in the world. So lean on each other, trust in God's faithfulness, and keep growing in your relationship with Him. May your journey be marked by joy, peace, and the transforming power of His love with blessings and encouragement. Amen. So we just had an AI prayer pray over the believers of Oklahoma City Community Church. And with that, um, I hope that you're encouraged. I hope there's something from this, maybe even the journey itself that you might explore and ask the Holy Spirit to show you who he is deeper using technology. I love you guys. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.